Thank you so much for choosing to listen to the Refuge podcast today. At Refuge, we believe all people matter to God. Now here's an inspiring message from one of our leaders or pastors that will help you grow in your relationship with God. We are actually today concluding the series on the Lord's Prayer uh, with a message entitled Deliver Us. This is actually part six in this series. And and my heart is, is really moved because I believe that God's going to do some significant things in, in the lives of the people here today. And so my desire is for you to really hear what the Spirit of God is saying to the church through the Word of God. Because I believe God has some things that He wants you to understand and comprehend so you can begin to walk in a greater victory in your life. Because, you know, this is entitled Deliver Us. It's the last section of the Lord's Prayer. It's dealing with temptation. All of us face temptation. All of us deal with temptation. But all of us can overcome temptation because that's God's plan. He's made that possible. And so we need to look to his word and find out how that can happen. So if you would turn with me to Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 13. And again, we're looking at this from the King James Version. Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 13. And it starts out, and this was after Jesus' disciples asked Jesus to teach them to pray. So Jesus said, pray after this manner, pray in this way. He, he gave the disciples an outline or, or a pattern of prayer, not so much a script of prayer, okay? It's a pattern with each segment, each section, and dealing with different aspects of our life and our journey with God. And so starting out with verse 9, it says, After this manner, therefore pray ye, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. I want to just interject a thought here. Prayer should reflect a desire to align ourselves with God's goals, with God's purposes, not to get him to follow ours, okay? And so that first part of the Lord's Prayer is designed to really connect with the heart of God, with the will of God, with the purpose of God for our life, okay? Verse 11 then shifts to that which deals and addresses us, our needs, our concerns, our problems. Verse 11 says, give us this day our daily bread. Verse 12, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And then verse 13, the, the key text for today's message. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever." Amen. Let's pray. Father, we honor you today, and we thank you for the opportunity to look to your word. I thank you for this body of believers, Father, that you are equipping them to succeed. You're equipping them to overcome. Father, we thank you that you've already provided the means, the grace, the strength, the ability to conquer every temptation and to overcome in this life from the snares, the test, the temptations of the world. In Jesus' name, we give you praise. Amen. Now, what's interesting, I wanted to just note this because as I was studying in this series and reading in different translations, I noticed that verse 13, some translations added another part. There was something included that wasn't included in all the translations. And so uh, in verse 13, the prayer ends. Where it begins, we see in the King James Version, for it goes on to say, For thine is the kingdom and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. 
Now, this particular phrase is added to some translations. The phrase was possibly composed for the liturgy of the early church, as far as what some theologians uh, believe. Uh, it is more than likely a scripture reference, a scripture notation, rather than the actual words of Jesus. And so I just wanted to note that if you ever, because you might not have that uh, phrase in the translation that you read, but the reference it refers to is actually First Chronicles 29.11, which that reads, Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in the heavens and in the earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head over all. So it's very possible that uh, some of the translators, as they were doing this, they noted that. In some of your Bibles, it might actually have that in a, a paraphrase or italicized words, which shows that it was not necessarily in the original uh, Greek uh, translation of the Bible. And so uh, that's something to note, okay? Um, for those of you that really dig a little deeper and, and study the Scripture. Now, as... You begin your day, we need, all of us, I include myself, we need to seek to satisfy the will of the Father, not our own self-serving agenda, okay? And really, that's, that's this whole thing about prayer. It's, it's really putting God's priorities first, and for us to submit and subject ourselves to Him and to what He desires to do and accomplish in our life. The Lord's prayer, again, is a pattern, or the model prayer that He taught His disciples, the Lord's Prayer is divided into two sections. Uh, the section, the first part is to God, our Father, thy kingdom, thy will be done. And then to us, or for us, give us, forgive us, lead us, and deliver us. Uh, the for us part of this, the second category, breaks down into actually three parts, three components, which are provision, pardon, and protect, protection. I'll say that again, provision, pardon, and protection. I call this the three Ps. Provision takes care of our present. A pardon takes care of our past. And protection takes care of our future. So we see these three elements in, in the second part of the Lord's Prayer that address our past, present, and future. So God's concerned about your past. He's concerned about your present. And he's certainly concerned about your future. And so when we talk about this phrase, deliver us, that's a pretty strong statement because it's a statement to those that may be facing some form of bondage in their life. And, and some of the things that, one of the things we need to do, let me just say it this way, is we need to be honest with ourselves and admit where we have a stronghold or a bondage that's holding us back. Sometimes people try to justify it. Sometimes people try to think, well, everyone's got this issue, so what's the deal? Why fight it? But yet when we admit and acknowledge that we need to be delivered from something and begin to cry out to God, then we can begin to experience deliverance and freedom in our lives. Because God wants his people free. He doesn't want Christians in bondage. Because we're not going to win this world if we're bound up with habits and sin issues that are really not reflecting the nature of God, the power of God, his character. Okay? And so, uh, Matthew 6, 13, in the English Standard Version reads this way, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Okay? The NIV reads a little bit different. 
It says, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So that particularly addresses the tempter, who is Satan. And, and so this morning, there are three things that I want to address. And I'm going to give them to you up front, and we're going to go back and cover them. Number one is, who is the tempter? Who is the tempter? Number two, the pressure of temptation. And then number three, God will deliver us. So those are the three areas that we're going to talk about this morning in this message. Who is the tempter? The pressure of temptation. And God will deliver us. Psalm 68, 20. You need to write this down. Years ago, I was reading this passage, came across this, and I had to stop. And as I stopped, I realized that God was saying something to me that was significant. And I believe in that passage from that time, it's been probably eight or ten years. It's a strong verse in my life that ministers encouragement to me. And Psalm 68, 20 says, God is to us a God of deliverances. Now notice it's not singular, it's plural. God is to us a God of deliverances, and to God the Lord belongs escapes from death. God provides a way out of the temptation, okay? Escape from a death situation. And sin, because it brings death, we realize that deliverance actually preserves us and protects us from death, okay? And so what do you need to be delivered from today? God's concerned about that, and he wants you free. He who the Son sets free is free indeed. Amen? And so who is the tempter? Yeah, you know this. This is basic 101. Satan is the tempter. See, God won't mislead us. Satan is the tempter. And it was interesting, Matthew 4, 1. After Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist, the Spirit of God came upon him, descended upon him like a dove. From there he was led into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. Now, now, this sometimes can cause confusion. Why would the Spirit of God lead Jesus into temptation? Well, let's, let's talk about this for a moment. Matthew 4.1, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Now, realize it was God's plan for Jesus to face temptation and overcome it. It wasn't God that was tempting him, but it was God's plan for Jesus to face and encounter temptation and to conquer it, to be victorious over it. And that was for you and me. That was on our behalf. He did that. So that was the plan and the purpose of God in the work of redemption. And so uh, for you to say, well, the Spirit of God is leading me to be tempted. Well, no, you're not Jesus, and you're not redeeming anyone, okay? And so just get that out of your mind, that, that thinking, okay? So Matthew 4, 3, if we drop down a couple of verses in Matthew 4, Jesus, uh, or the scripture, addresses uh, and identifies the tempter. He says, now when the tempter came to him, he said, if you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. And we know that this particular temptation uh, was a temptation against who Jesus was, who he was. And, and many times a temptation comes against us or who we are. And we, if we don't know who we are, we can many times fall prey to the snare of the enemy, okay? We need to know that who we are in Christ, that we're sons and daughters of a living God, that we live righteously in this present world, that we're not subject to the beggarly or the natural elements that would try to corrupt our lives, okay? We've been set free from that, okay? All right? So 
And um, moving on, I've got a few things to cover today, folks. Okay, so, so just bear with me, put up with me. Can you put up with me for a moment? All right, thank you. See, God is not the tempter. Therefore, he cannot tempt us. See, it is completely inconsistent to his nature for him to tempt us. Now, what we understand temptation to be, temptation is the inclination to sin. It's an allurement to sin. In fact, it's an enticement or a solicitation to do what's wrong, to do evil, to do something that's bad, just to put it plainly. Okay? Now, temptation, and I like this statement. You might want to write this down. Temptation is a desire to engage in short-term urges for enjoyment that threatens long-term goals. I'll share that one more time because I think sometimes people, for the moment, they get satisfaction, but the price they pay for that is detrimental to their future, okay? Temptation is a desire to engage in short-term urges for enjoyment but threatens long-term goals. Did you know that you're blessed and rewarded when, when you resist and endure temptation? There's a blessing in store that God has for you. Let's look at James chapter 1, verse 12. James chapter 1, verse 12. And again, we're talking about the fact who is the tempter, okay? And it's not God, okay? But James 1, 12 says, Blessed is the man who endures temptation... See, if, you're, if you enjoy, if you resist, you're blessed, according to uh, the word of God, okay? For when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. In other words, there's a crown in this. There's a blessing in this when you resist and overcome. And see, a lot of times we are short-sighted because we don't see there's a blessing in resisting. We just yield and give in and let the temptation run its course, and then we suffer the consequences, See, as the Lord, Lord's Prayer states, do not lead us into temptation. That's a, a plea to God. Not that he's going to lead us into temptation, but it's a cry for protection. Lord, protect us from what temptation may come. But deliver us from evil, it goes on to say. See, this is a request, again, a request of protection from temptation because the Father would never lead us into temptation, okay? See, his leadership many times will lead us through or around temptation, but James actually states that it's impossible for him to tempt us with evil. Okay, It's impossible for him to tempt us with evil because it's actually contrary to his nature. We see in verse 13 and 14 in James, James chapter 1 verse 13 says, Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. You can't say that. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. So he's not going to tempt anyone. Verse 14 goes on to say, But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. In other words, there's something inside of you that's enticed that draws you away. See, it's, it's like the bait. You know, the devil baits you, and then you go after that bait, but then there's a hook on the end of that bait. That brings you into bondage, and there's consequences that result as a result of that. Now, see, God will never tempt us with evil or to sin, but he will test us with the intent to bless us. Now, that's a, this is very important that you understand this, because God will test us with the intent to bless us. We see this with Abraham. 
In Genesis 22, verse 1, it says, Now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham. God tested him and said to him, Abraham, and now, Abraham, how did he respond? And he said, here I am. And that was the test of obedience. Was he willing to, to give up his son in obedience to him, which was a parallel and a type and a shadow of what God did for us, give, giving his only son for our salvation. Psalms 6610. I'm going to give you a number of scriptures, so make sure you write these down for reference sake. Psalm 6610, it says, For you, O God, have tested us. You have refined us as silver is refined. So, you know, I mean, you go to school, what happens? You get a test. That doesn't make the school bad because they test you. It's only trying to refine you to find out what you've learned, how you've grown, how you've articulated the knowledge that you've received, and that you have an understanding of it, a working knowledge of it. So uh, testing is a part of life. So God will test us. He won't tempt us, okay? It's understanding the difference. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 2, and, and here we see it. I love this passage because it, I believe it brings out this point very clearly. Deuteronomy 8, 2 says, And you shall remember that the Lord your God led you all the way these 40 years in the wilderness. This is the time the children of Israel were in the wilderness before they entered the promised land. And, and you know, really it was only an 11-day journey. It took them 40 years because they just had issues, okay? And so... Uh, like some of us. Why aren't you in your promised land? Well, because you've got issues that you need to deal with, okay? And so, but uh, we could get there a whole lot quicker if we just, you know, didn't give God such a hard time, right? Anyway, it goes on to say, um, these 40 years in the wilderness to humble you and test you. Notice, to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. Now, you might say, you mean God didn't know what was in their heart? No, he knew what was in their heart, but he needed to give them an opportunity to know what was in their heart. He needed to begin to expose or bring that to light, bring that to surface. So with that came the test. When they were in a situation, they didn't have anything to drink, and he wanted a drink. Now, that's a test. If you go home today, and you turn on the faucet, and no water comes out, what are you going to do? That, that's a test right there. Now, you can shout and scream, complain, and do all you want, but you might want to check some things. You might want to check your plumbing, okay? But... At the same time, for the children of Israel, it became a test for them to look to God. So, God, we need water. Would you provide us something to drink? Instead, they grumbled, complained. They got mad at Moses. And they said, let's go back to Egypt. You know, okay. God said they failed that test. God was wanting them to look to him. And, and they began to not do that, okay? Or they didn't do that, okay? Now, see, he wants you to have the opportunity to obey him in the journey of your life. And that's played out in situations where we could either disobey, but yet we choose to obey, okay? So there's, every day you're going to have opportunities to obey God or disobey God. And so those are tests. Every day you will be faced with those tests. Deuteronomy, dropping down later in that verse, later in that verse, uh, Deuteronomy 8.16, it says, Who fed you in the wilderness with manna. Now this is talking about God's provision. He's taking care of his people. Which your fathers did not know that he might humble you and that he might test you, notice, to do you good in the end. See, that was God's whole intent all along. I'm testing them because I want to bless them. Just like when you pass your test in school, guess what? You'll be blessed with a diploma. You'll be able to go on and get a good job, you know, and do all that stuff. So those tests are okay. Amen? And when we understand their purpose. Now... 
In James chapter 1, verse 3, you see the Lord tests us for what is good. James 1, 3, it says, for your faith will be tested. This is the New International Reader's Version, a little different translation. But it says, your faith will be tested. Mark it down. There's a period after that. You know that when this happens, it will produce in you the strength to continue. In other words, patience. Every test, you grow and you get stronger when you come out of the other end, okay? So, are you ready for number two? The pressure of temptation. We all face the pressure of temptation. It's upon all of us. We deal with it. We have to face it every day. And so, our enemy is too strong for us. Would you agree? But Jesus Christ has already won the victory over him. See, we can't contend with Satan in our own strength, our own ability, but we can in God's strength and his ability because he has given us, God has given us authority over him. And so we have to have that as a reference point, knowing that it's not us fighting the devil on our own, but because God in us is doing the work. Amen? Now, a common problem that every Christian faces is temptation. All of us face it, okay? In fact, uh, it is the enemy's tool to prevent us from honoring God's commands. It, it really is. The devil wants you to disobey God. He wants you to, that's his goal, to get you to disobey God and, and to not honor or respect his commands or his instructions. As I said, our temptation is a solicitation to do evil that's actually aimed towards our fleshly desires. It's, it, it affects our flesh, okay? And we are prone to enter temptation if we live carelessly or in disobedience. We become more subject and more of a prey to temptation than others that are really endeavoring to serve God and follow his word. Every, every believer who is serious with God will be tempted, however, because the moment you try to do something and go after God, the devil's going to turn up the heat. He's going to try to do more to tempt you than before. Sometimes he'll just let your natural fleshly things run their course. But when you decide to move towards God and serve his purpose, start reading the Bible, start praying, all these other things are going to begin to bombard you because the devil wants you to stop that. He's going to put the pressure on you, okay? Now, what's interesting, and this is a great promise that I want you to go home with, is found in 1 Corinthians 10, 13. This is a great promise and this is the promise that you must believe and you must receive because it's truth. And if you believe it and receive it, you can overcome temptation. And let's, let's look at it. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says, No temptation, no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful. That's about his character. Talk about his nature. And he will not let you, not allow you, to be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. In other words, God's promise is you can endure this thing. You can get through this thing. It's not going to overtake you. It's not going to destroy you. It's not going to do you in, okay? So being alert spiritually and in prayer will keep us out of a lot of trouble. Would you agree? Okay. Uh, trouble that we could stumble into uh, when we're alert, when we're in prayer. That's why uh, prayerless life, you are totally off guard and vulnerable to the enemy's attacks. In fact, he attacks you and you, you don't even know it's him attacking you, okay, with all this junk and all this garbage. So being in the wrong place at the wrong time, guess what? That can subject us to temptation. So maybe you shouldn't be there. There are places... Of temptation, we as believers must determine to avoid 
We really do, especially if we're weak in an area. See, temptations take on many forms. We must begin to recognize them when they come, okay? Uh, when we start getting irritated with one another, we need to recognize, okay, the, the devil is trying to get us not to walk in love, to begin to fight, begin to bicker, because where envy and strife is, the Bible says then there's every evil work. Then the devil just comes in and sets up shop, okay? And so when you start getting irritated with one another, recognize that, okay, the enemy's trying to get us off course here. This is the temptation that we need to address and attack, okay? Now, how about food temptations? This is what I'm working on. It's not always the first dessert, but it's the second dessert, you know, right? And it's, it's, it's those late-night snacks. And, and I, I got a gift. Who, who gave me that little popcorn thing? It's a microwave popcorn thing. It, it's like one serving size. You put a little popcorn in the bottom, put it in the microwave, it pops. One serving. Normally, I'll pop and I'll do a big bowl, but I've restricted myself now to the one serving. So um, that was a great gift. I, who, who got that for me? Oh, my beloved wife. Okay. That, uh, yeah, she was concerned about um, that area of my life, those food temptations. So... Yeah. Now, how about this? If you struggle with the internet and going on sites where you shouldn't be going on, that's a temptation. You need to set restrictions. You need to make yourself accountable because it's a trap that will ensnare your life and take you where you don't want to go. It will rob from you. It will kill. It will destroy. It will steal from your life. If you have a weakness with alcohol, avoid those people and avoid those places or you fall right into that. Because of that dominating influence, bad company corrupts good morals. Now, it's, it's, if you feed on gossip, ooh, a lot of people feed on gossip. Or having temptation to complain. These are all areas where temptation can get the best of us if we feel to recognize these as areas that the enemy is trying to get in. Okay? And so uh, let the Holy Spirit speak to you if some of these are areas or issues you're dealing with, especially the complaining thing. You know, we're, we're all complainers by nature until we get the God nature in us. You know that? Uh, I tell you, I can be the world's greatest complainer, but then I met Jesus. And then uh, now I, I realize that to complain is, is not in my best interest or the best interest of others around me. It's not building, it's tearing down. And so take that to heart. Romans 13 14, I love this passage. I don't have a slide for it, so you can write it down. It says, but put on the Lord Jesus. That's clothe yourself with him, okay? And make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. So sometimes we make provision for the gratification of the flesh. And, you know, when I think of that, I think, okay, if you have a problem with those desserts, then don't buy them from the grocery store and put them in your refrigerator and put them in your shelves. Because... If you're making provision for it, the chances you're going to gratify your flesh with those things. The same with anything that, that goes with anything. Don't make provision. Don't make allowances in your life to get in a place where you can fall to temptation. Right? And get in certain places. And, and now people that travel, going in different hotel rooms, you know, businessmen and that, they're sitting there and there's the, the X-rated and the pornographic movies that can be brought into the room, well, just have that disconnected. Have that turned off. You know, make yourself accountable in some way. And, and so, because those are all areas where the enemy can get you, um, ensnare you, and entrap you. See, temptation is a tactic 
employed by the devil to mislead you and to cause you to disobey God. You need to understand that. It's important to remember that it's not a sin to be tempted, okay? It's only when you yield to temptation that sin occurs, okay? Uh, it's, it's like the old scenario. You can't stop those birds from flying overhead, but you can certainly stop them from building a nest in your hair, right? Temptation is going to come, but don't embrace it. Don't entertain it. Don't receive it. You have authority to resist it, okay? And it will go. The devil will leave you if you resist him. But what's required is you to be submitted to God, according to James 4, 7. We'll get to that a little bit later. So I want to read this passage here in God's Word translation, 1 Corinthians 10, 13. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 in God's Word translation reads this way. There isn't any temptation that you've experienced which is unusual for humans. God, who faithfully keeps his promises, will not allow you to be tempted beyond your power to resist. But when you are tempted, he will give you the ability to endure the temptation as your way of escape. Praise God. See, temptation is a normal part of life on earth. We're all tempted, but God has made provision for us to overcome it. See, with God's help, we can actually refuse temptation. We can refuse it the opportunity to set up camp in our life. And I believe part of that is by establishing biblical principles on how we live our life. Biblical standards. See, this is true. See, you cannot follow the culture. You cannot follow the popularity of what society is saying. That's okay. If it conflicts with the Bible, you have to stand against it. Okay? Just because they say abortion is legal and okay, it's wrong. It's sin. And there's a number of other things that culture is shifting and embracing, but it's wrong when you read the truth. Now, you can get upset with the truth, and you can reject the truth, but it will not change the truth. The truth is consistent. It will always remain the same. And I'm going to build my life on the truth of God's Word, not on my personal preference, not on my personal convenience, but on what God has stated and said in His Word. So take that to heart. So I know some people read Scripture and say, yeah, I don't believe that. Well... Then throw the rest of it out, okay? Okay, enough. That's my, my preaching today, I tell you. <clears throat> point number three. Point number three. God will deliver us. See, God's going to help us with temptation. And you need to understand that he's there to help you. You're struggling. Oh, God, I'm struggling. I'm here to help. You know, I'm here to help. <laughs> 2 Timothy 4.18, I love this passage. And the Lord will deliver me from every evil work and preserve me for his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. Wow. He's going to deliver me from every evil work. Any evil situation that's attacking my life, God has promised to deliver me from. For 2 Peter 2.9. See, God knows how to do this. It says, then the Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptations and to reserve the unjust under punishment for the day of judgment. See, he knows how to do both, but he doesn't want you to be under judgment. He wants you to be delivered from temptation, okay? And so take that to heart. The Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptations. And I believe, you know, you might say, well, maybe I'm not a godly person. 
Let me ask you this question. Have you given your heart to Jesus Christ? Have you made a commitment to follow him as the Lord of your life? That puts you in another category among the godly. Even though you may not be living 100% godly, according to God's standard or God's statement, you are considered the godly. So you need to live a godly life, okay? And, and so, that's, uh, so God knows how to deliver the godly. Because you might say, I made a commitment to Christ. I want to follow him. I want to serve him. But I struggle in these areas, and, and I just can't get past this issue. Well, God knows how to deliver you from it, okay? See, because Jesus overcame temptation, the Scripture tells us he's able to help us. Hebrews 2.18 says, For in that he himself was su- has suffered, being tempted, he is able to aid those who are tempted. See, he went through it. So now he can help you through it. He faced it. He personally knows what it's like to be tempted. He knows what you're going through. He connects with you in your temptation to help you through it, to overcome it, okay? He knows what it's like to be tempted, okay? Hebrews 4.15 says, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize. Now, you need to understand the language. It's not, we, we do have a high priest that can sympathize with us, but it's, it's reversing it in kind of the negative. But so just, just listen to this. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we, yet without sin. In other words, he can't sympathize with you totally, 100%. He knows exactly what you're dealing with, exactly what you're going through. He went through it in all points, but yet he didn't sin. He didn't give in to it. Thank God. And see, because we have his nature, because we have his life in us, we too can overcome. See, prayer, in, in this whole series on prayer, is how we stay connected to God. It really is how we remain that, maintain that connection. The weakness of the flesh overrules us when we fail to yield to God in his word. And, and the best way to connect with God is in times of prayer, in times of reading the scriptures. In Mark chapter 14, verse 38, it says, watch and pray. Watch and pray, lest ye enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Now, Jesus said this at the time right before he was arrested. He was in the Garden of Gethsemane with his disciples. And he was encouraging them. He was asking them, would you pray with me for one hour? Sometimes the reason we've fallen is because we haven't taken time to pray. And it says watch and pray. That means be alert. Prayer helps you to stay alert so that you can overcome the pitfalls of temptation that would come. See, I believe that we need to cry out to God for deliverance. As a people, as individuals, we need to call out to God for deliverance for our nation, for people that are in bondage. See, the people of Israel, while in Egyptian bondage, they cried out for the deliverer. They cried out for deliverance. God, deliver us from this cruel bondage. And God rose up a deliverer, Moses, to set them free. Well, Jesus is our deliverer because the whole type and shadow there with slavery was sin. Is sin. We equate that to sin. They were enslaved to a cruel people, taskmasters. Sin is a taskmaster, enslaving us. But God has sent Jesus to be our deliverer. Now, I want to ask you this question as we come to a close. What is God saying to you through this message? What is he speaking to you through this message? I also want to ask you what's holding you back, what's keeping you in a place of bondage. 
Another question, what do you need to be delivered from? What habit, what vice is defeating you or keeping you from reaching the place that God wants you to be? What's holding you back from fulfilling the purpose of God for your life? And then, finally, is temptation getting the best of you? If it is, God wants you to be set free today. And I want to extend an invitation to, to you that may have never really given your heart to Jesus. Maybe you've come to the service today, and maybe you believe God, but you've never come to a point where you've totally surrendered your heart to His Lordship. See, just to believe in God isn't enough. It's accepting Him and believing that He died for your sins. He sent Jesus to die on the cross for you so that you could be forgiven. And then embracing Him and accepting Him as your Lord and Savior, committing your life to Him. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, I've never really surrendered my life to Jesus. I know that my life is not right with God. In fact, right now you might be feeling the tug of the Holy Spirit that's really alerting you to the fact that your life is not right with God. But it can be. And by you making a decision to receive Him and accept Him, you can be forgiven today. And you can, can find His love and forgiveness and deliverance in your life. And so take a moment and just bow your head right now. If you're here, you say, Pastor, I know my life is not right with God. In fact, if I were to die, I'm uncertain where, where I'd go. I don't know that I'd go to heaven. I really haven't been living for God, but I want to make a commitment today to begin to serve Him and, and follow His Lordship and His leadership. If that's you, I want you to lift your hand up so I can see it this morning. Lifting your hand is, is the most bold and thing that you can do that's demonstrating your faith. Yes, I want to give my heart to Jesus. I want to follow God. We're going to pray this prayer together. Maybe you're not ready to quite lift your hand, but you can pray this prayer Repeat this prayer after me if you would. Heavenly Father, I open my heart to you. I acknowledge that I'm a sinner, that I need a Savior. Forgive me of my sins. I ask you to come into my heart and be the Lord of my life. I believe you died on the cross for me, Jesus, and you rose from the dead to give me new life. I receive you now. Make my life what you want it to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Now in a, a few moments, a couple moments, we're going to uh, have a worship song, and then we're going to have our prayer team come up here. When the prayer team comes up here, if you prayed that prayer for the first time, I want you to make a, a step to come out and to let them know that you prayed that prayer, and they'll pray with you. They'll give you some... Um, information that can help you in your journey with God. Or if you have any other need this morning, God's going to meet you at the place of prayer. Maybe you're dealing with a, a bondage or area of struggle that you need to be del delivered from, or God wants you to be set free. Let's stand up together. And I want to pray a prayer over all of you this morning for deliverance. A prayer to be set free by the power of God. For you, even in this moment, in this place, to address and identify those areas of bondage that you've fallen into because you failed to yield or you failed to overcome the temptation, but you've yielded to that temptation. And that temptation has become a stronghold in your life. 
leading you to a place of bondage. Let me pray over you. Just reach out your faith as I pray. Heavenly Father, I pray for this people that you would deliver them and set them free by your power. In the name of Jesus, we take authority over every stronghold of darkness. We take authority over the temptations that have become strongholds in their life, leading them into a place of bondage. Father, by the authority of Jesus' name, we break the strongholds of sin's bondage over your people. In Jesus' name, we take authority over strongholds of lust, strongholds of pride, strongholds of addiction. In the name of Jesus, we break their power by the authority of Jesus' name. Father, thank you for setting your people free. In Jesus' name, for he who the Son sets free is free indeed. Now repeat after me, Heavenly Father. Deliver me. Lead me not into temptation. Set me free from every bondage. In Jesus' name, I will not let sin dominate my life, for it is no longer my master. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We're going to worship God for a few moments. And as, as we do, I want you to enter that place of, of you not only acknowledging that the Lord is your deliverer, but that he's setting you free from sin's bondage and helping you to overcome temptation. Thank you so much for listening to The Refuge Podcast. To find out more information about who we are and to listen to more inspirational messages, you can visit us online at wearerefuge.net.